Well, today we're sitting here with Hugh Grant from Tree Makers, and if you just want to tell us how you got into bonsai and where it started and where the inspiration for Tree Makers came from and the aesthetic of it, I think the people would really love to know, you know, what you're all about, and because it's such a different, such a different style in the world of bonsai, and it, it's something new. I think that's coming along. So there's a lot behind that, and I think people would like to like to know where that comes from mm. and how it started. Yeah, um, yeah. So my name's Hugh Grant. Um, as you just said, run Tree Maker Studio, which is my my vision vision of it at the moment um it's a building thing um but it's basically a studio functioning in australia trying to make trees basically um that's the basic spirit of it um but we'll talk about i guess what my intentions are and where that is going in a minute but my journey in bonsai started when i was an 11 year old um which is god would be about 14 years ago now yep 13, 14 years ago. Um, yeah, like like most people, um, bought a small tree, um, killed the small tree. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a Japanese maple and um, basically just um, didn't water it and it died. You know, classic. classic. <laughs> That'll do it every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I will say, what well, I didn't find bonsai through Karate Kid, which most people, I you hear that story a lot. You know, yeah. watch Karate Kid. I saw the bonsai, and to this day, I still haven't watched Karate Kid. Oh, really? Well, I just don't want to say I've watched it now. <laughs> oh man, they're you know great I mean? movies. I know. I probably should. I probably especially should. the third one. It's a lot of it is about bonsai. They open a bonsai store, and there's a yeah, there's right. a really nice tree that's oh, on the side okay. of a mountain that Mr Miyagi planted. Yeah. You know, twenty something odd years ago, and it's still on the side of this mountain, and it gets the perfect amount of sun every morning because of the spot that it's in and poetry <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much something that doesn't happen in real life yeah no i've just always felt like it's such a cliche and i'm like god damn i don't want to i don't want to buy into the cliche now i've come this far <laughs> i mean I, I love it i think because um i have a lot of background in martial arts oh okay so that and the funny thing for me is that's where bonsai came from for me i'm i'm one of those karate kid people Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I love yeah, the Karate yeah, Kid because yeah. um, when I was younger, I used to train Taekwondo with my pop. Mm-hmm. He was my sensei. He was mm-hmm. a second-degree black belt. Mm-hmm. And I gave it up for a long time. Now I do a Japanese martial art called Shrinji Kempo. Mm-hmm. Okay. And given that it's a Japanese martial art, you get a lot of that you know, Japanese culture that comes with it. And mm-hmm. we speak a lot of Japanese okay. in the dojo. Yeah, right. All, all the technique names are all in Japanese, and mm-hmm. and my sensei's got bonsais as well. So mm. yeah, right there you go. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I doing doing martial arts. I I watched the Karate Kid movies, mm-hmm. and yeah, well, of course, yeah, yeah and seeing seeing the bonsais, and I was like, man, that is so cool. Oh, Knew nothing about them, and yeah. Yeah. But you know what? The one thing I'm proud of is I still have my first bonsai and it's still alive. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's still kicking. It's a little juniper. Well done. <laughs> it, it's in the ground too. Yeah, it, right. it came in a pot, but I yeah, took right. it out and I put it in the ground and yeah. it's still kicking. So yeah, beautiful. I've still got the pot too. Uh, I don't like the pot, but I'll probably never get rid of it just because, yeah. you know, first pot, first tree. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens with the tree. There you go crazy that's <laughs> yeah. that well done well done yeah i, I like that <laughs> mm. so um but yeah that's that's sort of where and i first saw it, it was on um 
everyone in Australia will know Gardening Australia. Yeah, yeah. That's that's where I first saw it. I remember sitting there eating dinner, watching telly with my mum as a 10, 11 year old. And I saw, um, yeah, I just, it was just doing a segment on some guy, I believe somewhere on the New South Wales North Coast, visited his garden, talked about a few trees, he had some figs, etc. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd love to, if anyone hears this, I'd love to know who that guy was because to this day I don't know. Because it was him. <laughs> you might be able to find it on YouTube. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I've never inquired into it. I've always just wondered, but it was it was a long time ago now. It's before yeah. the days of it being online, and but it might be on YouTube. It's true. Somebody has it on a VHS. It'd be in somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's not that long ago, but in terms of technology, it's a long time ago. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it was him, and I saw the trees. I thought it was really cool. Bought a little tree, killed it. Um, yeah, and then from then I just I just got just started buying little plants and my grandmother sort of, you know, she was a bit of a horticulture or she is, she loves plants and growing things, so she's always she took me to a lot of um classes and just sort of bought me little plants and just yep. sort of kicked on from there. But um I'd say you know, as like a high school student and then when I started uni, I finished went to uni straight after school and it wasn't until I was like halfway through uni I started really thinking about bonsai deeply and yep. with a sense of um, making it a lifestyle and also making it a life in terms of career and also just a passion that I wanted to pursue more heavily and um and now we're here now and starting to starting to feel like there's a bit of pace and something cool that's happening and yep. you know it's a it's a career now which is really cool and um, beginning of the career which is cool so it's We'll see what happens, but um, yeah, really excited. So I know tree makers. A big part of it is collecting. Yeah, yeah. So uh, mainly because basically tree makers um, is about using. It's about discovering bonsai through the tree and what is happening in this country. We're in Australia, um, so uh, part of being able to access that. Australian material, that Australian aesthetic, there's no better way to do it than to go back to the roots of where bonsai begins, which is, you know, the the poetic sort of story of taking this wonderfully old charismatic tree from the mountains and putting yeah. it in a pot and growing it on, you know, that's, I think that's where the, the root of bonsai comes from. Um, and so it makes sense that to be able to tap into a bonsai as an Australian interpretation, um, the collected tree is taps into that poetry and that raw, rugged, literal translation from the landscape. So uh, collecting has always been a passion of mine. I started collecting privets, you know, yep. um, a highly abundant, <laughs> um, yeah, we'll call it a weed. They are a weed in this country, but a highly abundant tree that was very available literally down the edges of my street where I grew up. So that's where I started collecting. I've always loved collecting. You know, it's always been, yeah, yeah. you know, I love taking the tree from that very beginning to that very end point, literally from out of the ground into a bonsai container and then, you know, in a show, you know, really, really fulfilling and a fun experience um, to do. So it's something I've always done and it's now become quite a, um, a pivotal part in what I want to do with bonsai and how I want to grow the art in this country. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when when you first started collecting, I don't know if you did it, but I did it, and I'd probably still do it if I tried to go out collecting now. Mm. <laughs> um, 
Man, I was trying to collect anything. Yeah, yeah. I was, I, I was, <laughs> I'd go and find a walking trail, and yeah. I'd be like just looking for. Yeah. And at there's the, a plant. I'll dig it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. It's like, oh, that kind of looks cool. I'll dig that and see. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing ever survived though. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm glad I didn't try and dig anything that was substantial. Mm-hmm. Man, I only dug really small plants, and mm-hmm. my thing was like, I was going to try and get something that that was small, and mm-hmm. you know develop it and mm-hmm. like you said take it to those final stages and have something yeah. to be proud of but yeah. i mean collecting in itself is an art just there's so many stages to it that you need to know it's not just how to get the tree out of the ground safely or how how no, to aftercare for the trees knowing where to find the trees because different species grow in different environments and there's coastal trees and yeah yeah you know there's trees that'll be deep out, you know, in the bush. Yeah, yeah. It's and um so knowing where to find them and then once you do find them, knowing how to how to dig them out without mm-hmm. killing them. Or knowing if they can be dug out first mm-hmm. of all, because mm-hmm. you know, not not all trees can be dug. No, no, no. It's a it, it's a very, very large part of uh, of what is bonsai as a as a as a form. It's it's a it's a huge part and there's so many uh, stages in it. It would actually be a great podcast to do, just talk about the collecting process and what what that actually looks like. Yeah. You know, from a real deep sort of level. But um yeah, it's such a process and there's so many, like you're saying, factors involved and Yep. Um and it's not it's not as simple as just wandering out and finding a lovely tree and digging it up and then you got a bonsai, you know. And I feel like that is the romanticized view of what collecting is all the time. Well, that's exactly what I was just saying. Yeah, that's what yeah. I tried to do. Yeah. I just went out on a walking trail. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I'm going to find the best tree I've ever seen today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's it just and, didn't happen. And I think that's what gets put in your, in our mind because, you know, you see people overseas doing it and they come back with this amazing tree and they find it. But, you know, there's a lot of a lot of stuff that goes behind the scenes before you pull that amazing tree out of the ground and you find it and you put it up. Like, that person has gone through so much... Um, uh, finding those places to get those trees, getting permission to get those trees to those places, yep. knowing the horticulture of the species, knowing what the individual characteristics and qualities are of that species to find actual valuable material. Because yep. you, you, if you don't find value in a species or trees, you can you could walk for ages and you'll, or find trees, but you'll never find anything of quality unless you identify what that species quality is. Yeah, And that's the biggest thing that I've been trying to work out because I know... Collecting isn't something that hasn't been done much in Australia to date. But I just think it's a literal... People have been looking at the landscape and looking for a nice black pine. Yeah. But there, there's no nice black pines to collect. That's not the aesthetic you've got to look for. The aesthetic's different. Yep. Um, it's got its own quality. It's just as good quality as any tree around the world. But what the nuance of that quality is is different. And that applies to any nation who is practicing bonsai each species has its own unique quality and that's what has been leading me to try and find what those are and that's really um it's become a pivotal part of my practice because it's leading me to be able to actually um investigate bonsai in i guess a new way we could call it a new way yep yeah not that it's any different to the way that anyone's practicing bonsai but the aesthetic is different that's that's very true. Well, 100%, because when I, when I was first getting into bonsai, it was all about black pines and mm. junipers mm. and, 
you know, all these classic kind of Japanese aesthetically pleasing trees that mm-hmm. you, you would see on the internet or, you know, you'd see these big Japanese artists doing in Japan and putting mm-hmm. them in the shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I can guarantee you that when I first went out looking for trees, like collecting, when I first heard about Yamadori and I thought, yeah, I want to do that, mm-hmm. you know, that sounds mm-hmm. like so much fun. You know, I probably did walk past a tree that would have been good. Mm-hmm. But because at the time I was looking for something that, you know, maybe was really bushy and shrubby like a juniper or yeah. something that was really needle-like, like a pine, which yeah. you're never going to find that around here. Not not in a million years. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, well, but, it's, not, it's not a species that you'll find. It's yeah, just that's how it, it is, yeah. And yeah. But, you know, because I didn't know that, you know, I could have walked past, you know, God knows how many of them. But now, as you grow in bonsai, even... Even buying nursery stock, for for the most time now, it was just buying junipers and styling them mm-hmm. and buying black pines. Mm. But then as you grow, you start to see these other trees. Like I, I wasn't getting into Australian natives until I seen your work. Oh, yeah, and cool. that's when I started getting into Australian natives and there was that first tea tree that we worked on together. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was my first, you know, yeah, right, okay. Australian native. I and, didn't know that at the time. That's cool. And... Up until that point, I wasn't really a big fan of trees that were more leafy. Mm. I was more of a shrubby kind of guy because you can somewhat get instant bonsai from that. Oh, I see. Something that's really compact. Yeah. And I think... Voluptuous with foliage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I I think the point that I'm making is the art of collecting is there's a lot of forward vision that goes into that. So when you see a tree out in the wild... You're not going to just find a tree that's this perfect bonsai. You've got to look at it and say, well, if I cut it here or if I bend it there or if I, if I develop it in this certain way, this is what it has the potential to be in 5, 10, 15, yeah, 20 yeah. years. It's less, um, it's less predictable yep. because, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it, one thing, it's new. It's a new aesthetic that we're looking at. You know, what, what I collect, I find quality in. Maybe other people don't see yep. quality in it yet. But hopefully that's what I want to do with tree makers is bring that new aesthetic to people and show them that, that there is quality within these unique trees and it's just something that hasn't been modelled yet. Yep. And we're going to create a new model, just like, you know, other countries are doing with their trees. Yeah. Um, yeah. But tell us about yourself as well. We haven't introduced you. Yeah, well... I'm Josh. I'm the owner of Bonsai N, the online bonsai store. Some of you may have already known about that or purchased something from there. Um, Bonsai N was started to kind of bring everything bonsai together in one kind of hub. And, I mean, I do want to make it a worldwide thing one day, but for now the vision was just Australia because... Right now in Australia, bonsai is starting to take off. And I feel like that if we can bring everything into one spot, which includes, you know, being able to buy tools and stuff, if you're starting to get into bonsai, you you know, things like raffia, and you kind of think, well, where do I find these things? Or, you know, fertiliser tablets or stuff like that. You know, the the cages to protect your fertiliser from birds and possums and all that kind of stuff you know people might not know where to find that stuff but if we can bring it all into one space and then while they're there 
you know, buying whatever it is they might need, we can have the information there for them. So if they don't know what the difference between, you know, a regular set of scissors is or a set of root shears, you know, they can look that up and say, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, this is why I don't use my branch cutting scissors to cut roots because I might damage Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they might not know that. They Mm -hmm. might just think, well, you know, they look like the same thing. One set's just stubbier than the other. Yeah, yeah. So... And also to be able to do stuff like this, like a podcast, mm-hmm. and be able to bring Australian artists into the light. Mm-hmm. And this is one thing that we can take worldwide mm-hmm. now. Yeah, yeah, it's an easy resource yeah. and easy. It's an easy thing to create. Yeah, that's yeah. it. The internet's yeah. there. Why not use it? Yeah. So at least we can take that, you know, out into the world, and we can hopefully shed a bit more light on bonsai that's happening in in Australia, mm-hmm. and show people the different aesthetic. Yep. that's coming out of Australia. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that, you know, from what I've seen, there's different different bonsai aesthetic coming out of Italy and there's different bonsai aesthetic coming out of, like, India. Yeah, yeah, every every country in the world. That's that's definitely something that's happening at the moment. Yeah. There's, there's lots of different... People are still using... The, the model of bonsai, but trying to translate that into what it looks like with their trees, their yeah. aesthetic, um, their interpretation of the art form as well, you know. And from what I can see at the moment is, you know, you you can find all the stuff on India or Italy and especially America. Mm-hmm. America's booming right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, but you're learning a lot Australia about... down here, yeah, we're, we're, we're a bit quiet, um, soon not to be. I think I think we're like like Josh and I collaborating here. Um, I think this is something we want to keep doing and and collaborating together and trying to bring bring awareness to Australian bonsai and yeah. be that voice and be that broadcast of um, what's happening here um, and try and you know facilitate that road. Yeah, because yeah. I think I think it's going to be a big thing mm-hmm. because I think the trees that we have here in Australia are natives. The aesthetic is just it's like nothing I've ever seen before. It's very it's very elegant. Yeah, it's very elegant, it's very brutal, it's very aggressive, it's very Yeah, it's harsh. Harsh, yeah. 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 Australia's a harsh place. <laughs> exactly. And if, if the trees yeah. can grow in our environment yeah. then Yeah. It's it's almost it's it, it's like it's like um I mean this is very biased, but it's like bonsai's come to its it's home, you know, because yep. everything you want to characterize in bonsai, the Australian environment does it to like an extreme level, you know, yeah. like age and antiquity and ruggedness and life and death and beauty and texture, you know, it's just yeah. so much, it's ridiculous how much there is here. And, um, it's almost overwhelming, which is probably part of its overlooking, I think in a way, Yep. you know, um, the, the Japanese models is nice and easy and it's it's got a good aesthetic to it. You know, it's about quietness and tranquility and perfection and, you know, the the imperfection of perfection, you know, and that's just such a nice, nice thing to do, you know. But but it's only one. One small yeah. little root, you know. There's there's a million roots that you can also take. And um I know with my my practice and my business tree makers I wanna try and explore definitely not all the roots, but as many as I can and that I find interesting and just 
show people and educate people on the way that I make trees and what, what I see and try and not only just give that to people, but give them the tools to be able to investigate what they wish to as well. Yeah. It's not about what I do. It's about how do I come to those processes and how do I actually, um, am able to engage. Yeah. And I, I you know, I want to teach the tools, um, the tools that allow me to get to my aesthetic, show people that aesthetic, but give them the means to be able to explore how they want in a really, really, um, uh, I guess a good way yeah. and a really, really, um, constructive way, you know? Well, I think, I think a good point is like talking about the Japanese aesthetic and what they do mm. in the way you just described it. I think the Japanese aesthetic in bonsai is kind of reached equilibrium. Yeah. Yeah. It's where in Australia, we're only just starting. We, ha- we haven't found it yet. So it's, it, not, it's exciting. It's not so even there. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's new discoveries to be made and there's yeah. new techniques to be had and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and this stuff can be carried worldwide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, and it's that... not even like that bonsai. It's it's not that when we practice bonsai in Australia, or you practice bonsai in the UK or Spain or Iceland, you know, where, wherever you're practicing bonsai, it's not like you're changing how it's practiced. The rudimentary, the the application of actually how you construct a tree is never going to change because that's the functional part of bonsai. Yeah, bonsai bonsai has to function in order for it to actually even exist. Yep. And that's the baseline, right? So, you know, how, how say, I'd wire a juniper um, is going to be the same way I'd wire a casuarina or a kunzia or any of our Australian species, but yep. how you use that technique to then make the aesthetic of the tree, that's where the difference comes in. Yeah. But it's not like practising bonsai is different. It's just how do you take those concepts, how do you take that, literally just where do you take a branch you know yeah the the way in which that branch is made is the same as any other bonsai but how you actually interpret it and and create that final sort of form is the aesthetic that makes things different yeah well i don't think the fundamentals of bonsai will ever change because it it has to stay the same otherwise yeah you're doing you're, you're not you're not doing the art form anymore. You'd That's be it. doing something else. You know, like say, like topiary is different to bonsai. Yep. The the process is totally different to how you get to the end product. Where if you're practicing bonsai, it's got to be the same. And that, that's sort of why I've called my 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 business um, and my practice tree makers is because by removing the word bonsai from the title, all of a sudden it's like, oh, what could this be? Yep. You know, because if you say bonsai, it it points directly at um, the Japanese interpretation of this art form, which is, as I think, as a Western society and other Western societies, that's what we look to for that, like I'm saying, that baseline Yep. that is going to be consistent. But if I take the word bonsai out of what I'm trying to do, world's your oyster. Yep. You know, we're making trees, and that's simply all I want to do. Um and try and investigate, you know, investigate what's happening, um, educate my students on what's happening, provide the material, um, and provide a varied range of material and try and become a creative hub, you know, for Australian bonsai. And that's sort of where I want to get to, where I'm getting to, um, is create that, yeah, that hub for creative exploration within yeah. bonsai as a practice, you know, making trees. Yeah. 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 No, but I think... 
what you're saying is um, with your business, I think bonsai needs that to move forward. Um, I mean, in the Japanese days, they would have had that that beginning. Mm-hmm. They would have had yeah. that, that one person that started exploring. and They would have been right where we are now, you know? Exactly. You know, like, like I think, I mean, you hear it splashed around a lot, and I think it is, but bonsai origin, well, the way in which bonsai is practiced in Japan was taken from what was practiced in China. Yeah. And if you think about it, we're doing the same thing as what they would have been doing. What we know of bonsai now is what has been made in Japan, but what they knew of what bonsai was was made elsewhere. Yeah. So it's just the next step, you know. The next step is happening. Um, and that, and that's just, just, just the way of any art form, any practice, any design practice. It's, yeah. it's evolutionary through how it's interpreted. Well, that's it. And, I mean, you don't want it to stop and become stagnant. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You always want it to evolve. Yeah, yeah. Because if you, if you look at where bonsai is now, imagine where it's going to be 100 years from now. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a totally free and expressive and absolutely mind-bogglingly open art yeah. form. Because you're, you know, and, like, through my practice, um, my motivations at now... Um, have become it's not just about I just want to make nice trees my my motivations are about trying to I want to investigate what the tree as a medium can be used to express you know what's going on in the environment what's going on in the landscape make commentary on you know what's happening in the world to talk about give people access to places that they might not know about you know give yeah. people that insight into a world that they may not see yep. or haven't noticed yet. Yeah, well, you, it, the same thing happened, and, mm. I mean, everybody would have noticed this, but in the mobile phone world, mm. it was the same thing. When they first bought out the first mobile phone, the first true wireless mobile phone, mm. the thing was huge. Yeah. And then it started evolving and it started shrinking, and then suddenly they became really small. Mm-hmm. And then from there we ended up with flip phones. Mm-hmm. And then it's really uh, compact. Yeah. yeah, and then after the flip phones, we started having, like, the smartphones with the touch. Mm. Well, first we had the ones with the flip-out keyboards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the precursor, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. and then, then we had the touchscreen phones, and then they started growing again, and they became big again. Yeah, phones are huge now. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, through all these iterations and these design changes and going from a huge brick phone to a little tiny thing to a flip phone, mm. the fundamentals of the phone always stayed the same. You mm. could always send a text message. Yeah. You'd always make a phone call. And I think it's the same thing happens in bonsai. The fundamentals mm. change the same, but there's so much exploration in different parts of the world. And that's what's exciting about bonsai because <clears throat> when the thing happened with the phones, it was kind of like a worldwide thing. Mm. Because they were the same everywhere. Mm-hmm. It was a distribution thing. But in the world of bonsai, the trees that we have here in Australia are different to, say, the Rocky Mountain junipers that they have in America. Mm-hmm. So there's so many different branches of exploration going on, mm-hmm. and there's so much excitement, and I think that's fantastic. And yeah, yeah. I think the best thing that I did was broke away from the Japanese aesthetic. I moved away from just loving black pines Mm -hmm. and just loving, you know, your Mm -hmm. traditional looking junipers Mm -hmm. and started looking 
what was happening worldwide, and then it just ho- opened this whole new exciting door of yeah, yeah. There's so many avenues. Yeah, there's just so, there's just so many avenues, and and this is also this discussion isn't to say that practicing a a, um, a Japanese aesthetic of bonsai isn't great. That's awesome. Yeah, that's it's beautiful. It's, it's an option, and yeah, it's an option. You want it's options. one. It's one point. You know. Yeah. And like in my garden, you know, like I'm constantly. Um, making, trying to investigate new aesthetics and using new species, and it's mainly all native species. So that's what it's come to be lately. But um, you know, I have a couple of nice black pines. I have a juniper. I'm super proud of that will never leave my garden. And it's, it's you know, it's got everything you want in a juniper. It's designed like a classic juniper. Yep, I love the shit out of it. Yeah, you know, but every you know, it's it's not like trying to push and just go totally left left field it's like i want to try and hit all those marks because each each mark gives you a bit more of a um, rounded sort of knowledge and gives you a little bit more insight into other things you could do you know yeah can make a black pine can make a juniper can make an elm can make a maple you know but there's all these other things as well you know? yeah exactly. but it's still important to do those things because yeah. they're they're the baseline of what what it is you know it's like, to me, everywhere in the world that's doing bonsai, you know, America, Japan, Australia, Italy, mm. you know, India, all this thing, everywhere in the world, it's like a new T-shirt in your cupboard. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you can wear a different shirt every day and it's exciting. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, imagine if you had to wear the same shirt every single day. Mm. How, how stagnant would that become? Mm-hmm. And it's just so exciting that, all these places around the world are coming up with these new styles and working with new material and coming up with new techniques. And the world of bonsai right now is just growing exponentially. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what I think is so exciting about what's happening in Australia. It's it's another it's another branch of that tree. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it just adds. If you, I mean, even if you were to think of the world of bonsai is one big tree. Yeah, yeah. And then every time there's a new discovery, there's a new branch. Yeah, it's great, a new branch. A couple and, of new funky fruits. Yeah, <laughs> and it just it just adds to the yeah. excitement of that tree and where that tree is going. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think what you're doing in Tree Makers is fantastic. When I when I was at your garden last, man, there's so much stuff there that I was just like, <laughs> this has to be seen, like. If if people in the world aren't seeing this, then I feel bad for them because they're missing out. Yeah. And, you know, not to just say that that's in your garden, but imagine what's in other people's gardens around Australia that we yeah. haven't discovered yeah. yet. I can guarantee you that there's there's some amazing trees being made in this country that we just don't know about. Yeah, because... and if we can bring that into the light and, and get into the heads of those people, mm-hmm. you know, if we can get them on, on this show as a guest mm-hmm. and just... Mm-hmm. You know, exactly, pick, yeah. pick their brain and just say, you know, how did you get that aesthetic? Yeah, or, yeah. Tell us about your journey. Tell us about where your head's at, what you're trying to create, and um, it can only round out, you know, give us a give us a larger insight into what this art form is. You know, yeah, exactly, and on. and learn about other people's experiences. Yeah, you know, oh, I did this and the tree died. Mm. Well, that's a good bit of information to know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. You know, I use this technique and it, you know, creates great ramification or, 
Because in Australia right now, we've got to discover all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's all it's all new new ground to um, explore. You know, it's um, it's a study. Yeah, bonsai is still it's a study. You know, it's not the written essay yet. Well, with, with our with our Australian natives, it is. Yeah. So I mean, we still know everything we know about yeah. junipers and black pines yeah. and. But I mean, even so, though, like I have a pine at home, right, that I'm trying to design now, and it's a black pine. Yep. But I'm trying to, and this is sort of like layers upon layers, but I'm trying to design that black pine like I would see a pine growing in the Australian environment. Yeah, right. Right? Because so we can design pines the way they've been designed. You know, a black pine, which is a Japanese native species, um, we could look to the way they've interpreted that native species and design a pine like that. But what happens when you try and investigate how that native species as an exotic species in Australia growing in the landscape as an old piece, because there are old ones around, um, especially down in Victoria and stuff. I've seen really great old pines. Yep. What happens when you take that traditional species that has a set form that is ideal and then interpret it how it's been growing in another country? Yeah. It's like this extra little layer. And so I've, I've got a quite a large black pine I'm trying to design like I've seen pines growing out you know in Ballarat or out out you know out in the countryside of Australia um and it's a similar aesthetic it's got the same baseline feel as any pine but there's those few little touches that I think will make it a little bit unique it will still be recognizable as a pine it will be laid out classically like a pine but there'll be those little hints that suggest my um interpretation of the way i have interacted with pines yeah in this country yeah and that's what i'm trying to express the way that i interact and what i see and what i think is valuable you know and that's that's the art behind bonsai well i think that's really interesting too because that's something that i do want to see i'd like to see people take things that you would traditionally have a set aesthetic for Mm. like if you were to buy a juniper and you look at it there's already a, a set aesthetic to a certain yeah. point. Well, you have you have something in your head. There's a oh, I know what this could look like. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a there's a there's a process that's really nicely set up to make a great juniper. But I'd love to see people take that and just warp it right out of perspective mm. and say, I'm going to do something else with this juniper. Yeah. And yeah. Still within the. I think I think it still has to stay within. Because the thing about bonsai, it's a functional form as well. Um, it's still got to stay. It's still got to function as a juniper. Yeah. So that's the parameter. You've it's got, got to, to find the light and it's got to, you know. Yeah. You, you can't take too much foliage off. and. Yeah, it's got yeah. to have its still juniper sensibility. Yeah. But, like, yeah, there's so many ways it can be interpreted. You know, whether it's a natural rendition or whether it's an abstract rendition or if it's you know, like there's so many ways in which you could interpret a juniper tree. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, the thing is, you know, Einstein didn't make a lot of his discoveries by following the road that was already taken. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he was just plowing through the jungle with a machete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you <know>? Exactly. <laughs> you know? And I mean, look at how many great things that man come up with. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Abs- some of them were successful. Some of them were complete disasters. Exactly. You know, um, but you know, you've got it. I have a, I have a kunzia. Um, I designed 
about oh, be getting close to two years ago now, I reckon, um, or maybe a year ago. Time goes fast and slow at the same time nowadays, <laughs> I find. I'm like, feels like ages ago, but it wasn't. I think it was a year ago. It was this really, really very um, coastally influenced Kunzia, and it had a very, very thin, elegant base to it. Um, designed it up. It was still in the collection container. Um, it was the first time I tapped into this aesthetic that I've been exploring lately. And I went to repot that in the spring of this past season. So, you know, eight, nine months ago. Yep. And I found that the base was super weak. The dead wood had deteriorated. And it just literally, the design being nearly a meter away from the base, having quite a large foliage mass and the base being absolutely tiny and insignificant, it just, it literally couldn't stand up. No matter what I did, unless I strapped an apparatus to it to hold it up, it couldn't stand up. And that was a moment where I went, okay, I've learned that this design form has potential, but with this particular piece of material, it's not valid. Yeah. Um, But it doesn't mean the design's not valid. It was a failure in picking the material that would suit that design. Yeah. Um, And so that tree's been now left to just regrow out of its form, see what it can become as another iteration. Um, And since then, I've designed trees around that concept, and each time they get more and more successful. You know, you work out what what allows that design to hold itself, what doesn't allow that design to hold itself, and that's the evolution of, I think, discovering new forms and bonsai. You've got to try things, see where it fails, see where the kinks are, where the engineering doesn't work out. Yeah where the horticulture doesn't work out. And then you got to, you respond to that. And then through that response, you get closer and closer to your end point until you reach like a, a pinnacle in that aesthetic. And then I leave it alone, move on to something else and it will come back. You know, I'll probably look at something else and go, Oh, now I see where these new ideas I've been exploring since that can influence that again and make it another level again. You know, it's, and I think that's forever. That's a forever. As long as you have the drive to explore and you want to be creative, that will always be able to happen. Yeah. yeah that it's, it's layer upon layer upon layer. Can never sort of, can never end. And it'd be interesting to talk to other people that have worked on Australian natives and see what discoveries they've made. The same as you've made well, exactly. that discovery there. You know, I work on a tree. You know, Joe Bloggs over here will make a different tree you'll make a different tree. Yeah. You know, John Smith will make a different tree. Um, as long as, and this is where I think education is really important because as long as the technical baseline and the fundamental concepts of tree construction, um, as a conceptual and, and engineering sort of point of view, um, is there. Yep. Ultimate creativity can be, can be done as long as that dialogue has a, real nice base ground base level amongst you know those people yeah um and that's that's where what bonsai needs it needs that fundamental baseline so that everyone can be on the same level can converse discuss investigate and that's when bonsai will start to really rocket and become a real creative art form yeah is when people have that solid you know baseline of um of uh technical ability yeah and that's where that's where we'll rock it, I think. Because I think a lot of people too, uh, I don't know if they're scared to fail or... I, I think so, and rightly so, because you are dealing with a living thing here. Yeah. And 
and this is what I've sort of thought about over time because I remember me at first, you know, you do what you see because you know it's successful. Yep. And you're dealing with something that if it's unsuccessful, it could die and cease to exist. Yeah. And that's, that, that's, that sucks. <laughs> but it has to happen. Yeah. It, it doesn't work. We don't move forward if that doesn't happen. Can, no, you, no. can you imagine the first guy that stuck his finger in an electric socket? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we salute you, but thank you for finding out for us. <laughs> don't, don't now do we that. all know. Yeah. That, that's not great for your health. Yeah, yeah and, <laughs> and that's part of it, you know. Like you've got to, you got to make. Like I just described, you got to make failures to to succeed. Otherwise, how do you know what? what if you don't know what works, if you don't yeah. know what doesn't work, one's got to exist with the other. Yeah. Um, but uh, to a point, you know, it doesn't always have to be about. Oh, I killed a hundred trees to find out how to do, how to bend a branch. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's another part of the knowledge scope. I think is knowing if you know concepts, rather than this is what you do. Rather, I think it should be this is why you do this. Yeah, and the it's... why will allow you to see before your mistakes become fatal. You know, like you you can go okay. I can see how the tree's reacting. I can see how that design isn't performing in the way that I envisaged it, you can step back and use your why knowledge to jump in and um, make those amendments as you go. Well, you can't make decisions if you don't have the why knowledge. No, no. Because yeah. if you only know, you know, I do this because it's this species, then you can't actually make any educated decisions. No, no. It's the same as the old saying, you know, know the rules before you break them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, like, well, if you know the rules, why, why would you break them? Yeah. And it's because, well, sometimes rules don't apply to everything. And, yeah. and you know that if you break this rule, it's not going to be detrimental. Well, it's detrimental to that singular point of view. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, with, with the way I see, like, uh, you know, you see whenever someone says bonzo rules, everyone gets a little bit edgy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh. I don't know, I break the rules, I don't believe in the rules. But I think, you know, words are powerful, and I think the word rule puts puts that that part of bonsai in a really... Uh, it takes... It is an end point, you know, to a rule. Yep. More... The way I like to think about it is... Um, I use the analogy of um, high school, and when you go to high school to learn mathematics, let's use algebra, say, you sit there and you learn the formulas, you learn the equations... Um, and you write those down and you repeat them. You do exercises around the same equation. It's yep. the same thing over and over again, over and over again. And you do it until you know exactly what to do. It's just this repeated form. You just create it, you create it, create it, you get the same answer. Yep. It's not until you then jump out of high school and say you become an engineer. It's not like as an engineer you'll sit there and you'll be like, all right, I'm writing out this formula today and that's my job you're taking that knowledge that you learnt and you're applying it to real-world situations, real problems, um, real situations. And I see the bonsai rules and that analogy works really well because, yeah, you do need to repeat those formulas so that you can actually know that that's a baseline of, of how you're going to perform. Um, but what happens when you take that baseline and then you 
you know, try and construct something with it. Yeah, exactly. You know it's I mean? the, the how and the why. The how and it's the why. like with mathematics, you can sit there all day and learn what 2 plus 2 is mm. and get the same answer. Mm. It's 4. Mm. 2 plus 2 is 4. 2 plus 2 is 4. Yeah, yeah. But if you don't understand how adding works and somebody comes along and says, hey, what's 6 plus 2? Yeah. 4? Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. But, you know, I've been learning how to add up. And it's like... No, you just learn what 2 plus and 2 is. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, so you've got to learn... Yeah. The, the how and the why. Yeah. And be able to really understand yeah. to make those educated decisions. And Yeah. And how and why is important. You know, yeah. How, how is great, but if you put why with it, you can do anything from there. Yeah, it's yeah. unstoppable. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's where... Yeah, I think Bonsai will be a good hub too because if we can take all this information that's been been learnt and be able to share it with other people who are working with Australian natives mm-hmm. and have those other people share it with us, mm-hmm. then it'll grow tenfold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's exciting what you're um, trying to do here is um, become that voice for you know the greater community, which is really. Yeah, really exciting. Yeah. And and to create a community too. Yeah. And yeah, to just cre- yeah, literally construct it. That's, give people yeah. opportunities. You know, mm-hmm. be able to put the tools in front of people that they need to create successful bonsai, and mm-hmm. you know, to be able to do what they want to do and everything like that. And mm-hmm. I think you know, the more this grows, the more everybody else is going to grow with it. Mm-hmm. That's why our slogan is "Let's grow together." Yeah, right, yeah. Because that's exactly what we're going to be doing. I think the more the more Bonsaian grows, the more the community grows, and mm-hmm. the more the community grows, the more Bonsaian is going to grow. Mm-hmm. And I don't think one is going to grow without the other. No, no. Exactly. And I think the same with, you know, tree makers as well. If we can, <clears throat> if we can get the word out there about you know, what you're doing and what you're achieving and bring that to the light, then we can, you know, we can have you doing demonstrations. You know, yeah. And, and the collaborative process of bonsai is um, important, I think, as well. Yeah. You know, it's a small community. It's it's a niche community. It's it's the niche of the niche, you know. Yeah. You know, the horticultural world and the design world is already a niche part of, of you know, the world. And then if you just narrow it down, you know, you get to, you get to bonsai. Um, yeah. And it's, it's super niche. So <laughs> yeah, we've, we've all got to work together and stick together to, to make this something that, um, can be recognized, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, I think bonsai is a team sport. Yeah, it totally is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah. not, you know, you yeah. can't play a football match with one bloke. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the singular making process is maybe a bit more intimate, but everything that goes around you sitting down and working on that tree is totally community driven, you know, being out in the landscape, being influenced by other artists, being in discussion with different people, collaborating, you know, like you and I are, you know, it's, you've got to do that. Otherwise you are just sitting there trying to wire a branch and figuring what that looks like. Um, but what happens if it's in a broader spectrum, you know, well, I think influence influences. is a big thing. Yeah. Especially in art, any mm. art form. Mm. I mean, you look at musicians, and sometimes you can listen to a song and you can tell who they've been influenced by. Yeah, yeah. But it has that new, 
that new wrap on it. It has mm. that new vibe and that... Yeah, there's a layer that's been and laid on top of it mm. and off it goes and it becomes a new a new thing. Yeah, and then somebody else gets inspired by that mm-hmm. that particular sound and then they, mm-hmm. they put that in their music and, you know, I think the same thing would happen in Bonsai. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a different artists around the world. Like, if you listen to Ryan speak about some of the the artists in Japan... You know, he's able to tell who made what tree by looking mm, at it. Just by looking at it, knowing those nuances. And, yeah, and I, I feel like that's really important. And it's sort of, it's happening in Australia too. It's it's cool. Like, you can, you start to see that touch of that person, that artist. You know, like, um, I I can, just to throw in a few names out there, I, like, I can always tell if it's a Scott Martin tree. I can always tell if it's a Jared Bailey tree. Yep. I can always tell if it's a um a David Seagull tree. You know, it's 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 there's that touch. And because all and all those people have that real solid baseline of knowledge and now they can use that. Yep. And start to throw their own creativity and own exploration on top of that baseline and that's where you see that individuality. It's across the board, it's exceptional quality, and it looks different. Each person does something a bit different. They have their 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 way of doing things, their aesthetic, what they're interested in exploring. You know, yeah. Um, and it's yeah, just that like you're saying, those layers, those layers that keep being peeled on top of. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic too, because I know that when the AABC was on, <clears throat> and I seen photos from it. Mm. And straight away, I knew which trees were yours. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, straight away, I knew. Like, I'd seen a few posts on Facebook from people that were, were down there. Mm. And I was like, oh, man, check that out. That's one of Hughes' trees for yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> like, 100%. Yeah, well, there you go, you know. Yeah, 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 it's fantastic, you know, when you see stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I think it's great. It's like a little signature. And, mm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think... Um, the other thing we wanted to talk about today too was development, mm, mm-hmm. which he said is a great metaphor for you know for what we're talking about right now. <laughs> what, yeah. what we're doing now, this is you know this is a development and where we're going with it and everything. And I think this is a really interesting discussion and a really great first topic for us because when I was at your garden last, we kind of touched on this a little bit, and we had a bit of a different view about development. Mm, mm-hmm. So I think this will be a great topic. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. Because de- development and bonsai, it's um, it's interesting because it's, it's, not, it's not linear, I think. Yeah. And I think we think about it as linear. And humans, I think we like to think about things in quite a linear way. You know, it's easy to understand. We One like step, simplicity. next step next step you know it's it's easy to go by um but yeah a linear a linear structure isn't really the way a tree functions um it's not it's not the way that they interact you know they react to so many different things so many different um um stimulus you know there's all different things going on and to think about i do this and then this happens and then i do this and then this happens and then I get to this goal, and that's it. That's not. It's definitely not the way bonsai works. Um, uh, you know, and there's multiple phases to it. I always sort of distinguish 
in Bonsai, I think this is a discussion we were having, was there's like there's almost like two phases to the form. Um, and one is not unlike the other, but they are very disparate. Yep. Um, and I sort of like to name it the um, the material construction phase, and then there's what we all sort of see as the bonsai phase. Yep. And I think a lot of people's confusion in how to actually make bonsai is those two worlds get intersected. Yeah. And exactly. you start applying bonsai-making techniques and practices to material-making techniques and practices, and all of a sudden you're not getting anywhere because you're trying to create ramification on, you know, a piece of young nursery stock. Yeah. But that's not that's not when you do that. Um, and so it's the material-growing phase, I would say, isn't bonsai. It's not the practice of bonsai. It's the practice of... It's almost like if we use the analogy of, um, so there's a painter, right? There's the, there's a painter who goes and takes a canvas, takes his paints, takes his brushes, um, and he paints on the canvas and creates his artwork, right? Um, but then there's the people who constructed the canvas. There's the people who, the, you know, the craftsman who made that beautiful horsehair brush, you know, there's the, the, um, chemists who produce those paints, you know? And they all have their role and they all come to create this thing that will allow you to make bonsai. So the bonsai construction or the material construction phase is that phase where um, if you collect a piece of Yamadori, say, that sort of gets you to that bonsai starting phase because the, the material has been constructed. Yep. And the act of the construction is nature, but also you're selecting of that tree you've selected something that you see value to become a bonsai yeah right um and then if we flip that to um the practice of growing material to become a bonsai growing a tree that developmental phase from a small seedling um you're not going to be applying design techniques in terms of bonsai to that material you've got to be in the frame of mind of how would this small tree become this piece of material that i can then go and go okay let's design it as a bonsai now. Yeah. And I just see those two worlds really mixed and it, and it sort of creates stagnant um, movement because, like I said, if you try and produce ramification on a seedling, it's not going to create everything else that you want. You know, the development phase is about growing, you know, a trunk, growing um, structural branches, not necessarily the perfect ones, just an availability. Yeah. It's creating an availability of material so that when you design that when you decide that that tree is of quality to be a bonsai you can then start to make those pros those design decisions um and when when you're growing material from that very beginning stage it is it is a little bit gray in terms of that overlapping because you have that preconceived idea of what it could become yeah, yep. Um, and this is where Japan has such a good model because they have people who are professional growers of bonsai material. You know, they they couldn't wire up a show-ready tree. You know, that's not what they're interested in nor are they skilled at. You know, they're growing material that then a bonsai artist or a technician or a hobbyist will then buy and go, I see value in that plant. Yep. I'll make a bonsai out of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's why I do like Yamadori or collected trees because that poetry is so simple. You know, you nature is growing this thing, and then you select something that you see a value, and then you construct that. Um, 
And when I go to a nursery to buy material, you know, that's what I do. I try and find that piece of material that has all the values that I want to start designing a tree from right now. right, yeah. You know, I'm not like, oh, if I buy this tree and then grow it as a... You know, I wouldn't pick a beautiful old tree and then try and grow it into a bigger tree because what I'm selecting is what I've seen value in. Yep. And that's just where I, I, I see myself in the practice. And I, I grow material as well because I want to try and put that aesthetic in. How I see that tree finishing, I want to try and grow that material to be. But most of my practice and the way I function is bonsai making. So I want to create trees. Yeah. Um, and in an ideal world, it would be nice to leave that growing to other people to do, you know, so that they have a part in that system. Um, yeah, but there's two very different different phases in the bonsai construction process. And I think a lot of people get confused and they completely skip that first phase. Yeah, yeah. Because you see people that, you know, might buy a starter, whether it be, you know, a small maple or a small juniper or something, and they start looking at photos on the internet and they think, well, how do I make my maple look like that one? Or yeah. how do I make you know, my juniper look like that big juniper and it's got a big, thick trunk? Mm-hmm. And But here's this starter in a bonsai pot. Yeah, you can't treat it like a bonsai. No. At that point, you have to grow it as a tree and you've got to use the tools. You know, you've got to grow that plant into a huge tree so mm. it become, become a small plant and there's lots of different ways of doing it you know like you could go down the route of growing that as and this is something i've become really interested in this sort of confuses the matter but um what happens when you design that small plant as a young tree design it as a bonsai but with the intent of making it look like a very very young plant yep and then let it sort of evolve and then let it sort of fail. Yep. Then take it to the teenage age of a tree, or let it evolve, and then let it fail. And that's that. That is one way. Uh, you see a lot of deciduous trees are sort of constructed in that way. You know, you make the young plant look really pretty and nice, small container, and then it goes up, and it goes up, and it slowly. But that's a very very long route. That's the yeah. kind of bonsai where, if you think about the antique. Um, sort of interpretation of bonsai, which I'm starting to think is just one realm of bonsai, the antique, old, you know, old ancient tree. Yep. That's only one sort of phase in a tree's life. What, what about all the others? But um, that's one way of, I think, navigating that is designing trees all through their ages. But that's a long route. That might take you forever, you know, yep. to construct that tree. Um. Then there's the method, which I think gets you to more of the Yamadori sort of aesthetic, is you grow this young plant and you grow a big trunk. You grow deadwood, you grow branches, um, and you create this random structure. Um, And then once that is at uh, a phase of completion, and I think that completion is dictated by size. Um, You know, are you growing a large tree? Are you growing a medium tree? Are you growing a small tree? I think that's where the end point is decided. And when the grower says this is at an end point, that's when the tree is then taken, the root system is made very small, um, and then it's offered up as bonsai material. Yeah. And that's and then that that point 
is when you start practicing bonsai, which is going into um, design concepts, branch selection, um, trying to find the best quality aspects in the tree for its best viewing angle. Um, and that's when you start developing a finer branch structure. You focus on differing techniques to create delicacy within the tree. Yeah. Um, and to do one or the other, you know, to, and, and this is, I think where, where our discussion got onto, it was like, if you're trying to grow a bonsai and it's one foot in height, but you've got it in a hundred liter pot, it's never going to be a bonsai mm. because the technique of that large root mass is what is going to turn it into a very, very large tree, yeah. not a bonsai. Um, and that's a classic example of knowing where you apply certain techniques and what, what, and the why, you know, the, what creates a bonsai is restriction. Uh, and restriction of the root system will reflect in the foliar mass. Yep. So if you don't have a restricted root system, there's no way you can create the ideal, slow-growing, delicate bonsai image, you know. Yeah, because I think that's where we came to the difference in yeah, our yeah. technique. Where <laughs> I was kind of like, well, when I'm developing a tree, it's in a nursery pot that's mm-hmm. bigger than the tree needs. Mm-hmm. And it keeps getting slip potted as you know, as yeah. the tree grows. Yeah. And then once I've achieved trunk thickness and branch mm-hmm. thickness for, you know, my first branches and everything, mm-hmm. then I kind of start wiring mm-hmm. and working on clipping clipping those first branches back, trying to develop secondary branches and all that kind of stuff. And then once I'm happy with that and it's been in there for a little while longer and the, the wire is taken, mm-hmm. then I'll do the root work mm-hmm. and throw it into a bonsai pot. Mm-hmm. And I think the interesting thing that I said last time was that's where I see the end of the line. Mm-hmm. That that's, But it's not so much the end of the line of this is the end of the bonsai's life and, it's, no, no, you know, everything's no. all over from here. Yeah. I find that's, for me, that's the end of the line for development. Mm-hmm. That That's where the bonsai stops growing mm-hmm. because it's now in that pot. It's mm-hmm. restricted. But that's, that's, the, that's the thing to keep in your head. It's not that it stops growing. It's just changing the kind type of, of growth, growth, the type of growth you're after. I think that's the key point. It's not yeah. this is, I put in a bonsai container, and that's it now bonsai and that's the end it's just changing the type of growth that you want think about it like a ratio if you're trying to produce smaller branches say the tree you know it was a large tree and it had you know x amount of foliage you know it's a big piece of growing material and then you have x amount of root if you take away you know uh four-fifths of that foliage but that same amount of root exists that's a lot of energy that's going to go into a lot less mass yeah. on top. And it's always going to try and become, and this is not perfect, but it's going to try and become what it was. Yep. So you have to kind of match it up. You know, if you want to keep that condensed form, the root mass has to be condensed because that's the origin of strength. Um, so that's why I, when I, I practice, as soon as I know I want to create a bonsai out of the material, my first move is put it into a small container. Yep. Because then that sets that system up 
so that they're more equalized. The actual foliar mass on the tree and the root mass are now in an equal proportion and the root mass won't blow out the foliar mass. And so it's not what often gets discussed. You know, it's sort of like yeah. grow it in a container until it's a finished tree and then put it in a bonsai pot. But I don't believe it will ever get to that point. And I, I, you see that with lots of people, you know, they'll be like, oh, I've been growing bonsai for 50 years and I still haven't got a tree into a bonsai container, you know, but they've got trees in huge pots. And it's like, well, yeah, you haven't got there because you haven't allowed yourself to get there. You yeah. know, restrict the root mass, you'll start to develop those ideals in the foliar mass. It's like a mirror, it's a reflection. You yeah. know, if the, ref- if the reflection down below, if what's going on down below isn't reflected in the top, it's because it's totally different. You know, a huge yeah. root mass will reflect a huge foliar mass. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think there's a difference in what you were saying before? So you were saying that if you go to a nursery, you look for that tree that's ready. That, that yeah. It's kind of at the point where you want. And yeah. if you go, well, if I go to a bonsai nursery... I want to find a tree that I want to bonsai. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you go collecting, you're looking for that piece of material that's ready to be yeah, made yeah. into bonsai. Yeah. But do you think there's a difference if you were, say, to buy a small starter juniper, mm. then it's a different thing of development because... Yeah, well, my intentions would be totally different. Yeah. It would be... Um, if I bought out. a baby juniper, it would be wiring up a trunk line. Like, let's just quickly go through it. I wire up a trunk line. No no thoughts about branching. No thoughts about roots. No, nothing. Wire a trunk line. Set that trunk line. Um, compact the root mass so that when you do put it in a larger container, it has a solid grounding. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, then pot it up, grow it larger. You know, rework that trunk line, grow it larger. Rework that trunk line, grow it larger. Until the trunk line is of value in terms of that size being the end point. Um, and in that process, branches are going to develop. You know, you're going to be pruning to develop more. It's always pruning about more. Because when you're pruning to make a bonsai, you're always trying to eliminate to, um, I guess, a minimal amount. You're yep. trying to create that aesthetic. Where when you're developing material, you're pruning so that you get an abundance of, of things that yeah. grow on the tree. And that process discontinues until you have this wild piece of material, not unlike what is happening out in nature, you know, when you collect a piece of material. You know, the tree's grown, it's been broken, the tree's grown, it's been stunted. You know, the foliage has gone in all random ways. Um, And it's then when you select that, you go, okay, I can make a bonsai out of that. So you've got to... And I think the collection process helps you be in that mindset when you're growing... I think a good bonsai grower potentially might be a really good collector as well because you can see what the end point of your growing is going to be. But, yeah, it's... And would you say there's a difference between growing a piece of material from, you know, a young form and selecting a piece of material that's already been grown Mm. for you? Would you say that the young material you've got more control over to do what you want because I think a lot Inherently, of the time yeah. I think a lot of the times if you select a piece of material it tells you what to do to yeah. a point well you're reading it yeah, yeah you're going to read what it's giving you where if you've grown something from the very beginning yourself and you take it through 
the growing phase to the bonsaiing phase to the finish phase, you've had an influence on it the whole time. So yeah. the aesthetic is going to be different. And this is, I think, the beautiful thing between, you know, like you'll hear people say, like, oh, I only do Yamadori or I only do um, ground-grown material or I only do nursery-grown material. The aesthetic is different in each one of those three realms. Yeah. You know, it's it's not like one of them is better than the other, but the aesthetic is totally different. You know, one has an absolute human interaction, absolutely, like, totally personified in a way. Um, if you're growing it in a container, if you're growing it in a pot, um, sorry, in the ground, um, that material is going to be probably a lot more of a chunky aesthetic. You know, it's going to have a little bit less human interaction, but it's going to have a bit more of a brutalist aesthetic, I think, a lot of the time. Yep. And then a Yamadori has no human or very minimal human interaction. Um, so it has a different feel to it. You know, each different method of getting to that point of I've got a piece of bonsai material is different and the aesthetic's going to be different and the way in which it's worked is going to be different. Yep. Yeah. Because I found that too. When mm. I've got two tea trees mm-hmm. and one of them you've worked on and one of them I worked on. Mm. And both those tea trees, the interesting thing was when the the material was selected for one thing, but then by the time the tree was, you know, finished its first iteration, mm-hmm. the showpiece of that tree was actually something completely different. Mm-hmm. Like that, that tea tree we worked on, I selected that because of the movement in the base. Mm-hmm. But by the time we finished working on that tree, the absolute showpiece of that tree was the deadwood at the top of it mm-hmm. and how the fact that the deadwood's all to one side and mm-hmm. the, and the, yeah, the foliage yeah, is all yeah. to the other side. And, and then the same with the second tea tree I worked on. It was selected once again for the base and then by the time it was finished, it was just like... And it's actually had a second iteration because the first time I worked on it, the tree was telling me, you know, this is this is what I want to look like. That's know? that process, yeah. And, and that's then, what happens when you jump into the bonsai design process is it's this, it's this reactionary process. It's like you give input to the tree. The tree says, this works, this doesn't work. Yep. It gives you something and then you go back and say, okay, what have you told me? And you react to that. Yeah. And then the tree reacts to that again. And that's that's the process. And I think the every time you work on that next iteration, and iteration is such a great word to use because it's not like you wire a tree and you make it all pretty, but that's one iteration. Yeah. And then you let it blow out. It reacts. You go to the next iteration. And every time you get to that point of reworking it and creating that next iteration hopefully the aim is that collaboration gets closer and closer and closer. And it's when you get to that ultimate crossover point of you and the tree, that's when it becomes that real quiet finished, you know, I'm throwing my fingers up here, (laughs) finished tree. It's the end point of that, that um, iteration, final iteration of that tree's development. Yeah. Once that's settled and that you know that collaboration has been on a perfect point, it's going to move away from its, itself again. Yep. Tree is going to become too perfect for itself. Yeah. And that's when you then go, okay, I'm going to create that iteration again, and you jump back into that process. But you've built 
a whole level on the tree. It's almost like you're stepping up the blocks, you know, you finish constructing that block, but you've got this tower underneath it. Yep. And then you go and construct another block, but that tower still exists underneath it. Yep. You're not going to build a block, take it off, build a block, take it off. No. <laughs> that wouldn't get you anywhere. Yep. But it's not like you do this, 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 and then you're done. And then you do this, this, and, th- and then you're done. It's not linear. Um, as I've been fiddling on my phone because I've been fi- trying to find the name of this guy. Um, I'm terrible with names. I always forget names. But um, this guy named um, Carl Nicholas, and he's a he's a biologist in America at some university. But um, he explains um, the word progression. Yeah. And the word progression comes from the Latin word progresso. Yep. Um, which means to go from one point to another, right? But if we look into that, from one point to another doesn't mean it's a singular line. From one point to another could be here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. Right? And that's sort of what bonsai is like. It's not like you go here, 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 down a straight road. You know, you might veer left, you might veer right, you might step backwards a few steps. Yep. Um, and you know, we hear the word used bonsai as a progressive art, but if we look at the key, um, intention behind what the word progression means, it's actually quite true to what bonsai is one point to another, to another, to another, to another. Um, and there's many steps in between that. Well, you just got to look at the the tea trees, for example, Yeah, that one we worked on that day when I selected that piece of material, it was huge. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I mean in height, it was massive. Mm-hmm. And then that was progression from growing. Yeah. It grew to that stage. And then the next point of progression, we actually cut it. We selected. Well, we took, back. we took it to that point of, okay, we're going to make a bonsai out of it. Let's select what the material has to offer. Um, and this is where bonsai becomes creative because it's not like there's a bad and a, a good. There's just different levels of quality and there's different levels of aesthetic. So we took that material and said, how can we make this the best tree possible? Okay, this line will do it. It's quite a narrow tree. It's got a skinny base, you know. Let's actually elongate the design. Let's find the quality in the line that will give us the best elongation. Um, And then I think we found that that elongation didn't suit the movement of the tree, so we decided to compact to a lower branch that we could elongate and create further quality. Yeah. And that was that first iteration. Wired it all up, pruned it, made it look as nice as we could and as best we could in that moment. And now it's going to react to that. Yep. And then next time you go and work on it, you're going to react to what it gave you. Yeah. It's going to say, yeah, this branch works really well. This design form works really well. This side has stayed more compact. This is blown out. Okay, how do I... Do I either eliminate that or do I work with that and say, oh, okay, it's it's given me a clue as to how this tree can evolve into the next level. Yep. And every time you do that, it's going to get you and it are going to get closer and closer and closer. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we've we've touched on development in terms of you know pots, nursery pots, or mm-hmm. ground mm-hmm. and bonsai pots, and when to and when not to put them mm-hmm. in and depending on what you're trying to achieve. And I think the next thing to talk about in development is soil choice because the soil that you use once you put it in a bonsai pot to achieve 
finer branching and finer mm, foliage true. is going to be a lot different than the soil that you use in a nursery plot or, um, no, it sounds stupid, well, in the ground. You're not yeah. really choosing the soil. <laughs> <or whatever. laughs> but, yeah. That, that, those types of soils are pointed more towards massive growth and yeah. where I think if you were to put a tree in a pot with akadama or, you know, some people use pumice or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever they might mm-hmm. might choose to use, that soil has so many other different reasons for using it. Yeah, yeah, soil's and, a biggie. Yeah. And you wouldn't take you wouldn't take that tree out of the out of the nursery pot and put it in the bonsai pot with the exact same soil. No, because and this is this is the thing is everything in bonsai matters. Every every element of it, it's not just the tree. The tree is going to react to the soil it's growing in just as much as it will react to the pot it's in to the way it's pruned to the way it's wired everything has an influence and to think that yeah like you think soil is just this staple across the board thing is is sort of missing one of those it it does get overlooked because it's such a i guess it's not seen (laughs) it's underground (laughs) yeah but um we if we're growing a, a a piece of material right and this is that let's talk about that mirror theory again of the, the foliage mass mirrors what the root mass is doing. If we have a large root mass, we have a large foliar mass. Yep. Let's go into more detail and go, if we have very thick, elongated roots, what are we going to have in the foliar mass? Yeah, thick, elongated, elongated. foliage, mm. right? So the type of soil is what, to a point, there's multiple factors. There's the type of soil, there's the amount of moisture, there's the amount of um, nutrition, there's the amount of oxygen, and all of those things, you know, those three elements are going to dictate what type of root growth you get and hence what type of foliar growth you're going to get. Yeah. So if we have a very um, high nutrition, um, high water content, um, high oxygen content, right, um, a soil mix that stays fairly stable or decomposes quite quickly, they function a similar way, right? Um, and a high, a, a long va- um, gravity column, right? Gravity column is super important, right? Yep. There's a reason why in the nursery trade, pots are taller than they are wider, yep. right? Because the gravity column is actually higher, yep. right? So water, oxygen, nutrition gets pulled through that mass a lot more quicker, a lot more efficiently. And what that gives you is very elongating, thick, tubulous roots, which gives you really elongated, thick, tubulous growth. Yep which in the nursery trade is great because they want to grow a small tree into a big tree as quick as possible to sell. Yeah. And this is useful in bonsai if we're growing material or we just want to grow a thicker branch, etc. Developing those thick, elongating, high, you know, lots of things going on the soil, those thicker, longer roots are great to grow thicker, longer trunks, right? Yep. And if we want to develop a big piece of material via, you know, trunk shaping, pruning, trunk shaping, pruning, that's the best way to do that. A taller pot, you know, something that holds a lot of water, holds a lot of oxygen, a lot of nutrition. Perfect. Um, and you want those elongating roots. And if you've ever noticed when you have a tree that you has been sitting in a nursery pot for a while and it becomes what we'd call root bound, yep. the tree stops producing those very thick pieces of growth, right? And it starts to just produce small amount of growth. And that's because it's filled the container. When it fills the container, it starts to bifurcate and create finer roots. Yep. 
Um, and when we're growing a piece of material, we see this as a negative because if you're trying to grow something larger and it starts doing that, it's not going to grow larger anymore. It's going to start... Basically, what the tree's done is it's got to a point where it's got a restricted amount of space and now it's going to just work with what it's got and it just produces foliage. Yep. So that, that's, that's what you want in the bonsai process. And so when we grow things, we continually pot up because we want it to continue to expand. Yep. But if we think about that theory, when you get the tree to its final expansion and you want to start developing that finer branching, that finer structure, you know, the secondary branching and onwards you actually want it to produce that root-bound growth, technically. Yep. So the soil mixture changes. And that's always the moment I'll put a tree into a bonsai container. It could be, you know, totally raw, doesn't even look like a bonsai yet, elongated pieces of growth. But my first move will be put in a bonsai container. And one is I want the restriction, because the restriction is what's going to give me that smaller, finer growth. But the major component that allows that to happen is actually the soil. Yep. So the soil component I'm going to choose is going to be one that still has a high moisture content, high oxygen, high nutrient holding capacity, but a soil that allows the roots to bifurcate, right? Yep. So that it splits. Just as, just as we want the foliage mass to bifurcate and create lots of smaller branching, for that to happen, the root mass has to do that. Yeah. And this is where I think a lot of people don't, see because you don't see that part if if the root mass is bifurcating the foliage mass will and if the root mass is elongating the foliage mass will elongate so not only the restriction of the bonsai container but the soil mass that it's growing in will give you that that growth that you want well i think this is it's coming full circle back to how and why yeah because if when it comes to soil choice, if you don't know why, you can't make those things. You might no, no. you might come across somebody that says, oh, when, when, when you put that tree in, you know, that, that particular tree, when you put that in a pot, put it in Akadama. Mm-hmm. And then the next time you put up a tree, you might be like, oh, I'm going to put this in Akadama. But you might be trying to get a completely different result that yeah, Akadama is yeah. not going to get you. No. And then you're like, well... Why didn't that work? Whereas if you it's hadn't known the why... Yeah. Akadama's meant to be great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> should just do. But yeah, it has a function. Yeah. Looking at what it does and why it does it. So if um, you can learn your soil components, yeah, yeah. what they do, and if you can learn root growth yeah. and what that does, mm-hmm. then I think people can develop better trees from that. Yeah. Rather than just knowing, well... You know, when I put it up, I'm going to put That's it in, what you do. in yeah. this medium, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of that out there in the bonsai world. I think there's a lot of just very straightforward instructions. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, when I was first getting into bonsai, I remember there was this really, this thing that kept confusing me, and it was about junipers, and there would be, there would be these people saying, you should miss them. And then there was these other people going, you should never miss the juniper. Mm-hmm. And that was all the arguments everywhere. Yeah. You should miss them or you should not miss them. And as you grow, you find out, well, if it's in the middle of summer and it's a very hot day, you know, in Australia here we get 40 degrees Celsius days, even hotter, mm. you know, in mm. other places. Well, it's a good idea to miss those junipers to stop evaporation of, you know, the fluids that they have. But right now we're in dead middle of winter well actually no we're not 
we're at well, the start, start of it. Start of winter, yeah. You know. yeah. But it's right now it's very cold and it's very, you know, there's not a lot of good sun around. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and if you were to go out in the middle of the night and Mr. Juniper, and if you were to do that every night and not know what the purpose of misting was, you just thought, well, somebody told me I should miss yeah, this. Juniper's like, you missed it, I'll yeah. just do it. So you're going out I, at uh... 8 o'clock at night after you've had dinner and after you've had a shower and come mm. home from work and whatnot and you're missing this juniper, next minute it's got, you know, all kinds of fungus problems. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, people were saying it was good to miss. Yeah. But why is it good why? to miss? Yeah. And that, I, think, I think that's what's missing a lot mm. from education in bonsai is yeah. that, that's a perfect example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. people yes. shouldn't be like, do this. It should be, this is something you can do, and this is why you do it, when you do it, what the reason behind doing it is, and then you can take that information and apply it where you need, where you see necessary. Yeah, rather yeah. than rather than just saying no, misting's bad, or yes, yeah. misting's good. It's like, yeah. well, why are you misting? Yeah. Well, back on repotting, I remember when I first started bonsai. Every book that I read and every teacher I had, um, and this isn't to like you know, like, speak badly of anyone, but the knowledge was repot a tree every year, yep. you know, so you reinvigorate the root system. And I killed so many trees doing that. And I can see now why some of those people said to do that, because the way they were growing their trees was heaps of root, you know, heaps of growth. The soil mix was allowing for elongated roots, explosive growth. Yep. Um, and that, of course, that that nature of that medium, it needed to be renewed, otherwise it would deplete itself. Yep. Yeah, the soil mixture that they were using broke down super quick. So unless you did repot every year, the the, the soil would become anaerobic, you know. Yep. It would start to lose function and the tree would become weak. And so I would repot a tree every year, but I had read there were these other soil mixes, you know, which were more coarse, um, were more aerobic. Yep. Um, and so it was producing slower, finer root growth. Yet I was repotting them every year and cutting that root off because that's what I've been told. <laughs> but there was no reason. There was no discussion of why am I repotting the tree every year? Why am I being told to cut the roots off every year? And five years of killing trees because I repot them every year, and it wasn't. It wasn't even for another five years after that because I stopped doing that because I was like, no, this is just killing my trees. And it wasn't until I found out about soils and what the function of different soils is that I was like, oh, I see now why I was killing mine and they weren't. Yeah. It was because their their system of functioning was different to my system of functioning, but we we're applying the same um, reactionary technique to that system. Um, I think that's a good point too because... If people are beginning in bonsai, I think a good way for them to learn is question everything you do. Yeah, yeah. ask questions. That's exactly what you need so to do. So if you're going to put a tree up on your bench and start working on it, don't are you, are you doing that work because somebody said so? Or are you doing that work because you're trying to achieve something? Exactly. You know, are you going to repot that tree because somebody said, I've got to repot trees mm-hmm. every year? Mm-hmm. Or are you putting that tree up on the bench to repot it because you're trying to achieve something mm-hmm. and it has to be repotted? Mm-hmm. Are you pruning a tree because they, you know, people mm-hmm. say that, you know, you should prune a tree this time of year and yeah, if do it's, this? Yeah, if it's October and in your calendar it says I need to prune a tree but it didn't grow last year. 
you don't need to prune your tree. Exactly. You know? And that's where you always see people kill trees because they'll be like, but now it's pruning time. And they'll try and find something to prune. Yeah. And then the tree becomes weak and dies because it wasn't at that stage of needing pruning. You know, it's there is a schedule to things, but there's a time in which that schedule is applied. You got to react to the tree. It's yeah. not it's not um it's not mathematical. It doesn't do the same thing every month, you know. It's yeah. a just because you're questioning yourself it doesn't mean mm. you don't know what you're doing. You mm. should be questioning yourself saying why am I doing this? Yeah. Yeah. What am what's I trying the to achieve? Of, yeah. What's my yeah. Exactly. Rather than, and I th- I think that's uh, a big thing that I see a lot of beginners make the mistake of too is trying to just get into bonsai and they want to wire something they want to prune something Mm -hmm. they want to they want to repot something they want to have something they want to do all the different things yeah Yeah, they want to dive head first into this art and that's awesome yeah and i think you can do that but you've got to know why and when you're doing those things why am i doing this yeah 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 why am i trimming this tree back am i trimming it back because i'm trying to get growth elsewhere am i trying to push the growth you Mm -hmm. know it's a black pine why am I, you know, trimming the candles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I trying exactly. to push growth back or what, what am I doing? Why am I, you know, mm-hmm. why am I bud selecting? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, do and I And when need... do I not do that? Yeah. That's probably the most powerful thing is, yeah, this is when you do it, but why would I not do this? It's and that, the, I, yeah. I think that question comes up way more in your practice than, oh, it's time to do it, I'll do it. I would say most times it's going to be, well, why wouldn't I do this? Mm. There's because there's more times as you're working on a tree that you'll not do things. It's the act of what you don't do that creates the doing process. Yeah, I had this discussion with someone recently. Um, with a tea tree I recently just designed. Um, it was a collected tree. Collected it nearly five years ago. Um, it recovered in its pot for two, two-ish, two and a half years. Uh, then I took it out of that container and I potted it into a bonsai container, right? Yeah. Um, work the root mass, remove some of the field soil, and only some, um, and pot it into a bonsai container. And then another two and a half years later, I only just, for the first time, sat it on my bench and said, time to make bonsai, right? But all that proactive work that I was doing, recovering the tree, um, then putting it into a restricted bonsai container that allowed because basically what happened after it was collected it produced with all the abundance of water and oxygen that i was giving it in its new ideal situation huge amounts of growth yep which fueled the growth of a root system i then took that root system and narrowed it down further put it into a bonsai container now that restriction of the bonsai container over the two and a half years of it filling that with fine roots because of the soil i was using and the restriction that foliage mass that was really elongated now produced really compact foliage mass and in the working i just did i was able to prune off those elongations that were used to fuel recovery from post collection yep right by putting in the bonsai container i'd grown a branch structure that was designable and so through all that proactive activity of not actually designing the tree now that i've designed the tree for the first time i'd say in two years time it could be in a show because all that time spent doing nothing <laughs> yep. enabled me to have a very, very highly productive time of doing lots of things. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a lot of bonsai. It's, yeah, when you don't do things. 
there's think, more time doing nothing than there is doing something. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I didn't understand, it kind of plays off that same point, is when I was first working on junipers and trying to create that instant bonsai, I guess you would call it, any time that I would get elongated growth, I would cut it straight off. I was like, that's ugly. I don't want that. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't that. stop and ask myself, you know, was there a purpose to that? It was mm. just it was just ugly to me. But if I had have looked into that, I would have learned that, hey, if I let that elo- if I had to let that elongate, then I could have had a much thicker branch there. Yeah. And much more desirable more complexity branch. to your branch. Mm. Yeah. And and now, you know, when you go and look at my trees out in the garden, there's junipers everywhere with elongated growth mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're trying to develop branches here or there and Yeah. And once I come along to cutting that elongated growth off and I look at it I go why am I doing this now Mm -hmm. and I know that I'm cutting that off because I've got I've achieved the branch thickness I want and now I want to develop my secondaries and and the other thing is now that you've done that and you've let the tree react to the work you've done before you prune that piece off you can consider oh does this detract or or elevate the design further has it added something? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's added more material. I, I should react to this. You know, if I take it back down to what it was a year ago, where have I got? Yep. Nowhere, you know. Exactly. It's going back to the same place, and the tree will never actually get to a phase of looking mature because if you continually go back to that first design, yep. it's always going to be a first design. Exactly. you got to work on the tree, react to its work. Work on the tree, react to its work. Collaboration. Yeah. Collaboration's the best word for it, really. You know, it's not a one-time... Well, you and the tree are throwing ideas off each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. oh, I'm going to snip you here and, yeah. you know, watch your back bud, and then once it back buds, and, you know, mm-hmm. the tree's like, well, we've got all these, you know, yeah, new branches to work with now. Yeah, yeah, now react to these. <laughs> now choose a couple of these and, yeah. you know... Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's really cool. Um, is there anything else you can think of to add to the development... I mean, I mean, it's a huge topic. You know, I mean, like it is a massive topic. We can we can offshoot onto so many large facets from that. But um, I, th- I think the two basic things are knowing the difference between developing a tree for and growth yeah. and developing a tree for bonsai. Yeah. So ramification and finer, mm-hmm. finally, like foliage mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, knowing the difference between the soils, between mm-hmm. developing for growth. And developing for, you know, I guess what would you call the development stage once it goes into a bonsai plot? Refinement? Yeah, I'd just say the the bonsai making process. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, too, once again, as you said, it it branches off to so many different things because you can say, well, if you were to put it in simple layman's terms, well, you've got development for growth and you're using a very uh what would you call it like soil rich you know composition of soil like oh the soil yeah, yeah like yeah. peat and you've got a lot of peat yeah. or something and you, yeah, yeah yeah you're trying you're trying to get that rapid growth and then when you put it into a bonsai pot you've got very aerated very heavily yeah. draining soil well yeah let's come back to that because we didn't touch on that we didn't finish that but yeah because the bonsai container, if we talk about that gravity column of a growing container being very high, bonsai containers usually small space, but also the gravity column gets condensed into a flatter space. There's yep. less gravity acting on it. 
So the soil mix needs to be coarser so that water and oxygen actually pass through it. Yep. Um, and that's where the whole, when you put a tree into a bonsai container, it's very beneficial for the soil mixture to be coarse so that you actually get that movement. Yep. But not so coarse that you have an imbalance of water and oxygen. So there's this mixture of between um, the soil mix needs to break down but it also needs to hold oxygen and it also needs to hold water. Yep. So you need, and this is like a whole discussion itself, but you need components that give you those those three things, nutrition, water, and oxygen, um, and a breakdown of the soil. You do want the soil to break down, but you want it to break down via the root system, not yep. via its own um, expiry date, yep. basically. And that's what will give you a compact root system which will give you a compact bonsai. Yeah, because if you if you were putting up a black pine, for example, <clears throat> you would put that in a completely different mix that you would put an azalea in. Yeah. Because totally. the azalea's got much finer, yeah. more delicate root system yeah. than what a black pine would. And then once again, your soil mix changes. And yeah. if you don't know the why... Mm then you might take that azalea and just dump it in a pot full of agadama or something. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> and, then, and, yeah. and it's funny, once you know the wires in bonsai, the tree does tell you what to do. Yeah, A black pine has thick, fleshy roots. Thick, fleshy roots um, have basically less surface area. They need more oxygen. Mm. So a black pine needs a drier soil. Yep. A tree that has very, very fine hair-like roots has heaps of surface area. So obviously its ability to absorb moisture is so much greater. So it needs a finer, more water-holding capacity soil mix so that it can continue to function as it needs. Yeah. And they, so the answers are all there. You just got to... The knowledge is in what you're reading. And if you know that an azalea has fine roots and a black pine has thick roots, um, you can translate that knowledge. And when you see another species, you may not even know what the tree's called or have even seen it before but you take that tree out of the pot its root system looks like an azalea looks like hair yep you know it needs a fine root mass that needs to hold i mean it needs a fine soil mix that will have a higher rate of water holding capacity than oxygen holding capacity yep that's a given so without knowing anything just by knowing the nature of the roots you know what soil mix is going to suit it so it's once again those bodies of knowledge and those wires oil in here okay yeah. this is what i'm trying to achieve i need you know yeah i need this to happen and you know if you can answer your own questions then you should yeah. be good to go yeah and if you see failure from that you know where you failed because you had a body of knowledge that you thought was correct and if it fails then you can go okay what didn't i consider oh okay that's what i didn't consider let's try that and then you have success and it's like okay you start to build your knowledge base yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> I mean, I, I'm learning so much new stuff every single day about bonsai, man. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, Same, every day. Yeah. And it's funny because there's some things, there's some things out there where you have that light bulb moment. But I find with bonsai, I have so many light bulb moments. Like, I feel like I'm going to get a bill from the electricity company. <laughs> like, because it's just like, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. And it's like wow. that. And I think it's like that. And, you know, you hear a lot of people say, you know, like, who have partners who do bonsai, and they go, yeah, I'm a bonsai widow. And I think it's because it's one of those practices that is so encompassing of 
because it, it involves everything you know you got design you got horticulture you got aesthetics you got and it's endless you yep. know because you're dealing with a living being you know imagine a bonsai trying to train a human you know mm. <laughs> it's that's a complex task imagine a tree trying to train train a human yeah oh where would they start and that's okay. that's what we're trying to do you know we're trying to collaborate with this tree and like uh, there's so much to learn every day it's going to do it's a dynamic being it's going to yep. do something different if you want to just tweak you may have been doing the same aesthetic to the same species or you you know for years and then you change your aesthetic slightly your whole scope of work's got to change yeah you know it's never ending it's it's, it's one of those all encompassing very 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 interesting um art forms that's i think it has the ability to be something very very special because it is so so broad and encompassing of so many different things and yeah and i think that's that's where i'm trying to take bonsai in to mm. to a point where i'm trying to answer the questions that i couldn't find answers for yeah you know readily available because mm. i think especially in australia but all around the world i think we need to keep encouraging people to practice this art mm-hmm. because like we were talking about earlier if people buy a tree and the place they've bought that tree from hasn't exactly looked after that tree how it needs to be looked after whether they don't have the knowledge or mm-hmm. it's just such a big you know business that they don't have time to look after trees like they yeah, should yeah. be they, they buy that tree and then their tree dies you know, a couple of weeks later, and then they lose that that drive that they had. Yeah. Because yeah. because the trees, you know, the trees died. You know, I think we need to try and encourage people more than discourage them. Yes, exactly. So I think you know that that's part of what you know I'm trying to achieve with bonsai and is. Mm. I mean, with me selling the trees that I do sell, that's just a very small part of. Yeah. Trying to keep the draw. I'm all I'm trying to do is give beginners that first tree and that first bonsai pot that's healthy and they can look after it and it's hopefully going to survive. Yeah. I mean, once it leaves here it comes down to them or watering how much it they and, want to invest in. Yeah, know, and, like, yeah. And all that kind of stuff. I can't help it if they don't water and it dies, but at least when it leaves here I know that I've done the best job I can do of mm-hmm. giving them the best start into bonsai and if we can keep encouraging people to have that drive with bonsai and have a place for them to go and get that information and yeah bonsai is a hard thing man Mm -hmm. like if you can't find information on something that you need the information on you're likely going to give up on it Mm, exactly because it's it's so broad and deep and there's mm. so many facets to it um and a simplification of that knowledge base is really necessary. You know, the concepts mm. wise, once again, you know, and that's I, what gives you the ability to discern yourself. Mm. And that's powerful. It's a very powerful thing to be able to look at something, go through your knowledge base and create a discernment on what's going on. Mm. And I think if we can create a hub, we can create a community. Mm-hmm. Like if we can get a community together where people can come and ask questions. Mm. Exactly, yeah. Oh, you know, I've got this question, I've got that question, and, you know, we can have those those people there to answer those questions mm-hmm. and keep that drive going, mm-hmm. keep bonsai moving forward, and it'll become, it'll become bigger than ever. Mm-hmm. And I think the more material that's out there, the more podcasts, you know, mm-hmm. they can listen to. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I think there should be more bonsai plus podcasts out there. Yeah, yeah, it's surprising. We had a little flick through today, mm. and there's less than half a dozen. You mm. know? Yeah, and it's quite it's quite amazing actually that no one's really tapped into um, such an easy way of broadcasting ideas. Yeah, yeah. see, yeah. I, I urge people go to Bonsai Empire's website, mm-hmm. have a look through the information that they have listed there. That's an absolutely fantastic website. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, you can you can read up on all the different species and it, it, it's very I mean take it with a grain of salt because it's very broad the information yeah it's very it's very vague but it has to be mm-hmm. because you can't you can't put information up that's so specific because I mean can you imagine how big a menu would be on a website if <laughs> you were being so like you bring out the black pine menu and then it just like it's... how many extras do you want attached <laughs> to that um <laughs> yeah. do you want to talk about needle elongation do you want yeah. to talk about bud selection do you want to talk about candle printing do you want to talk about the soil that it goes in the mm. nutrition that it needs mm-hmm. and how to water it and what sunlight it needs and there's a lot of factors and it's great because online there is a lot of information out there now you can you, if you're practicing bonsai you're not in the dark anymore if mm. you are hungry for that information it it is there you just got to find it yeah um and in Australia, we're, we're developing that basis, you know, of um, providing that, you know. So, like, what you're trying to do with Bonsai Anne, you know, um, what I'm trying to do with Tree Makers, you know, it's all about trying to give people that solid education and that ability to practice Bonsai in the way they want to. Yeah. And I think the great thing about this is, is as Australian natives develop and as we learn more about them, I think... Tree makers and bonsai and is going to be the place to get that information. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, it might be out there somewhere. I mean, you might hear about it on a Facebook thread or something. There's lots of great information out there. It's um, it's just dispersed mm. in fragments here, there, and everywhere. You know, and there's there's some crazy. Uh, just to name one person who has been doing native bonsai for a long time, Will Fletcher in um, Hobart in Tasmania. He has such a crazy amount of knowledge and such an intimate knowledge um, and a really very um, humble, very um, strong practice of bonsai using Australian natives. And, um, you know, I don't think his knowledge base gets gets uh, credited nor, nor um, heard about as yep. much, you know. And there would be many people just like him. You know, I just happen to know him, so yep. I can talk about him in that way. But I can guarantee you there's lots of people out there who have a really strong um, connection to what we can do in Australian bonsai. It's just um, there's, no, there's no one place yet that gives you that solid yeah. amount of information. Yeah, And like you say, the collaboration between um, our two projects, I think, can can give that, you know. Shed some light on yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Well, see, I, th- I think if we can get people like him on here... Mm. And yeah, and then share that with all those other people, yeah. Yeah, and then people will know, you know, if they listen to this podcast or if they, you know, mm-hmm. go to our websites, then they're going to get some valuable information and, you know, it'll be the great, a, a good place to go to get, you know, the tools they need or yeah. anything like that, which I think a good thing to end on would be... Um, just some details on tree makers and the services that are offered. Yeah, yeah. I think people need to know about this because not only do you sell trees, 
Yeah. And if people are interested in getting into Australian natives, well, man, there's no better start than to buy a tree from tree makers because, you know, that's where a lot of this, I guess, experimentation and research is happening. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... Yeah, so, yeah, well, basically, if anyone wants to... um find me you know i've got a website uh treemakers.net make sure the dot net is in there um, <laughs> um i have an instagram treemakers um and facebook uh, but basically to sum us up uh i'm a small studio um a project that's going to be growing as the years go by but a small studio working with uh, predominantly australian native species um uh, yeah, and I, I sell Yamadori. Um, I sell uh, trees at varying levels of development and design. Um, uh, we're also a school, so uh, I have some courses that will be coming available actually very, very soon um, based on specific uh, design fundamentals of native plants, but will be able to be applied, as we've been discussing today, in a very broad spectrum to anything. Um, so, yeah, we're school do lots of private um private work um tuition um teaching uh courses um yeah got a garden lots of trees all different levels of production um and a nursery that's in place to um facilitate people who want to jump into bonsai um mainly native trees and that's located on the central coast. Central coast, yeah, New central South coast Wales. of New South Wales, yeah. 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 But you do also do Lectures and demonstrations. Yeah, through um, the AABC VTP program, I get I do a lot of lectures um, uh, all over the country, um, and also private for private organisations too. Um, so yeah, I always put on my website. I have a little bit of a um, a bit of a schedule as to what's coming up. Yep. Um, and if anyone is ever interested in getting me in and around those dates, um, please do get in contact because. Um, uh, traveling is such a great way to share what's happening yeah. in bonsai and to share with people all over the country um, what I have to offer and what others have to offer too. So, Yeah, I think that's great because if you are listening to this podcast and you know, you're part of a bonsai club and you think, man, we'd love to learn more about that, then get in contact with Hugh and send him an email. And or even not a bonsai club. If you're just a group of people that want to get together and... Um, dive deeper into bonsai you know yeah that's yeah it's a great opportunity possible yeah yeah and it's good knowing that that kind of thing's out there because once again where do you start looking for that kind of thing and yeah yeah you know um yeah if you can get a study group together or mm, yeah. or if you're a club or whatever just get in contact and you know he'll be happy to chat to you about what he can do and what his schedule is and mm -hmm where he can fly, which I'm pretty sure is wherever a plane will go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, or a car will travel. But, um, but yeah, yeah, um, lot, lots of things happening and lots of things yeah. that can happen, yeah. But I urge you to get on there, get on his Instagram, give him a follow, have a look, um, take some inspiration from the, the trees that are on there, even if you're not in Australia, if you're in America or in Europe, wherever you are, you know, try and take some inspiration from that and, you know, put it into your own stuff. Um, as mentioned before, um, I do have a shop, which is, you can find at www.bonsai-bonsai.com. 
bonsai.n.com.au. So that's bonsai.n.com.au. And for those of you wondering, the hyphen en <laughs> is actually Japanese for garden. So bonsai n is just bonsai garden. <laughs> that's what that stands yeah. for. Beautiful and simple. <laughs> Beautiful and simple. Yeah. That's all we need. We just need to let people know we're a bonsai garden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we do have Instagram as well. You can follow us at bonsai.en. Um, we have Facebook at bonsai.au. And, yeah, that's about it. That wraps up the first podcast. And I hope everybody enjoyed it. Yeah. Please do send us feedback. Yes. Whether you send it to Hugh via his Instagram or if you get in contact with him through his website or you can send it to me via our Instagram, Facebook, even if you want to contact us through our shop email, sales at bonsaien.com.au. Please send us feedback. Um, This is a community and... This is your podcast as much as it is ours. Um, Suggestions, anything like that. If you've got a topic you think would be good for the podcast. Yeah, we want to know what you want to know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We'd love to talk about it. Or not even know, know. just just hear discussed. You know? Yeah. See what we can come up with and anything we can shed light on, I think will be a good thing and will help move Bonsai forward in Australia. Mm Mm-hmm. Beautiful. All right. right. Thanks so much. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Thanks for coming. (laughs)